0: Well, here we are, message 14. There's only a total of 15 messages in this series we've titled Life Coach. We've been learning that we have a life coach and his name is the Apostle Paul and all of his advice is in this book called Second Timothy. So if you have your Bibles, turn there. But this book of Second Timothy is the last book the Apostle Paul wrote before he is executed. And he's giving life coaching advice to this young man, Timothy, who's he, who he's mentoring. But all of the mentoring advice there is applicable to us. And so we're learning life coach lessons one at a time, starting in chapter 1, verse 1. We're going to go all the way into the, chapter 4. And this morning, we come to the 14th life coach lesson. I mean, this is the Apostle Paul, and he's encouraging you with lessons that he's passing on to you. This is priceless. And this morning, we would summarize the life coach lesson with finish the race. The last time I was actually involved in a race, it was with my son, Luke. And Luke was just in seventh grade at the time. And you know, when you're a junior higher, you think you're the man, right? And you're kind of at that point where you think you can take your dad. And uh, so I'm like, okay, let's, let's race. I go, mom, you get out the video camera. Tracy's got the video camera. So I remember this was in the evening and uh, we decided to race from uh, our front door all the way to Proctor School, which is about, I don't know, five blocks away, touch the chain link fence and come straight back. That was it. And then Tracy would videotape the winner. So we have this for posterity, okay? So I remember (laughs) we take off It is a flat out sprint and we are neck to neck. We both touch that chain link fence halfway through at the same time, turn around, we're beating home. I mean, it's still neck to neck. I am laboring in breath like you can't imagine. You do not know how excruciatingly painful it is to keep up with him. But I'm like, I gotta take the boy down. And I mean, Tracy's in with the video camera inside the door, videotaping us. We both come up to the property at the same time. I am just, it's literally an arm's length ahead. I dive into the door first, crash onto the floor, and literally, I am spitting up blood. I mean, this is how hard I ran this race. I won, but it was an ugly win, let me tell you that much. Now watch this. Look at your outline. The Christian life is compared to a runner running a race. And we're going to learn about this this morning. The Christian race, however, it's not a sprint. It's a marathon. It's a race that you pace yourself in. And you're not running against another person. Watch this. You're running against time. And you're running against the temptations of this life that could take you off course. So I want to show you a little picture of how God sees you as his Christian runner in the Christian race. Now, this would be a simple way to portray your life. You know, here you have a birthday, and all of us, it's different, and then at some point in your life, you come to know Christ as your Savior and Lord, and then you begin living your life, and at one day, you're going to be home with the Lord, go to heaven. The next picture shows the Christian race. Yes, you come to Christ, one day you'll go to heaven, but the time period between when you come to Christ and when you go home to be with the Lord, that is, as God sees you, he sees you as a runner, running a marathon, running the race. The question becomes, how can I finish the Christian race well? That's the question. I mean, how can you come to the end of your life and meet Jesus, okay, And here, as Matthew 25, verse 21 says in your outlines, well done, good and faithful servant. Come and share your master's happiness. I mean, how can that be the case? And I have good news for you, great news. The Apostle Paul tells us how we can run this race and finish it well this morning. But first, there's this introductory thought that I want to give you that that actually Paul shares as well, and it's this. For most of us, there will come a point in our life when we will realize our Christian life on Earth is almost over. This has happened for countless Christians through the era, throughout history. There come a point most likely, not for all, but for most, where you'll realize, guess what? I'm soon to go to be with the Lord. This happened with the Apostle Paul, and he talks about this and describes this moment for us in Second Timothy chapter four. And verse 6, notice what he says. He says, For I am already being poured out like a drink offering, and the time has come for my departure. The time has come for my departure. In other words, Paul's saying, I'm about ready to leave this earth and go on into eternity. He says, The time has come for my departure. That word departure, it's analusis, the Greek word. It's a beautiful word. It means literally To hoist anchor and set sail. Paul is saying, I'm ready to hoist anchor and set sail. Paul looked at death as the release from this world and the opportunity to set sail for eternity. It's a word of victory. Paul says, I am already being poured out like a drink offering. Now, a drink offering was an offering of wine. It was a libation, that's what it's called. And it was poured out on the Lamb of Sacrifice as a last act just before it was burnt on the altar. And this is all throughout the Old Testament. Uh, One place you could read about it, Numbers 28, verse 24. But Paul was saying, I have lived my life as a sacrifice unto Jesus these 30 plus years since he became a Christian on that road uh, to Damascus. And Paul says, and now I feel like in just a few moments away my blood's going to be shed by Emperor Nero as a sacrifice, as a libation unto the Lamb of God, my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Next Sunday, we're going to study Paul's martyrdom and how it all went down. But the only thing that's going to matter, you know, when you're at this point in your life, realizing your race is soon to be over, the thing that's really going to matter is uh, when you realize you're soon to depart and be home with Jesus, have I lived my life in a way where I'm ready to meet God. Have I run this Christian life in such a way that now I'm ready to embrace Jesus and have him embrace me? In other words, have I run my Christian life race well? And yes, it's gonna be wonderful if your family is with you when you go on to be with the Lord. That will be beautiful. And we were with Jim when he went home to be with the Lord. I was there just hours. And that was incredible. I talked about that at the service. You may have that privilege, but really the thing you're going to be thinking about, along with your family there, that's beautiful, is my Christian life. Have I run it the way God wants me to do so I can hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant? And what Paul tells us in this passage is absolutely priceless. You see, Paul's final words that he speaks about his own life here. This is incredible. So let me ask you a question. This is what we're going to study this morning. The final words of the Apostle Paul that he spoke about his own life. Have you ever thought what your final words will be? I mean, literally, what are the last words that you will say before you meet the Lord? Have you ever thought about that? All of you will have them. Napoleon said this, he says, I die before my time, and my body will be given back to earth to become the food of worms. Napoleon's final words. Gandhi, his final words, spoken. I find myself in the slew of despond. All about me is darkness. I am praying for light. Steve Jobs said this, his last words, Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. And then you contrast those last words with the Apostle Paul's last words, and it's incredible. Look what Paul says, his final words, 2 Timothy 4, 7 and 8. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing." I mean what optimism! What an amazing positive statement of victory. You contrast Paul's final words with anyone else in history and and there's no comparison. I mean Gandhi's last words I find myself in a slew of despond, and the Apostle Paul, I've finished the course, I've kept the faith, now there's in store for me a crown of righteousness. It's it's an amazing spiritual triumph, and within that statement, he passes on to us the keys for finishing the Christian life well. So this is the heart of what we're going to talk about this morning. It's on your outlines. Three statements you want to be able to claim about your life now that indicates you will finish your Christian life well. See, Paul's mentoring us, even in this statement. There are three things you want to be able to claim about your life right now. And by doing so, if you can claim these three things about your life now, guess what? You are ready to meet Jesus and hear well done. Now listen closely. Regardless of how you have run your Christian race up to this point, God has brought you here to hear a message this morning that I believe is just priceless. It's priceless. And there's a statement here. It's one of my favorite statements, my favorite quotes that I quote all the time. You've heard me say it before, but it is so fitting for this message. And the statement is this, you can't go back and make a brand new start, but you can start right now and make a brand new end. In other words, right now, you have the time to make some mid-course adjustments. Right now, you can change the trajectory of your race. Right now, you can adjust the way you are running your Christian life and you can finish well. The thief on the cross, in God's grace, he changed the entire trajectory of his race. Jesus said, today, you will be with me in paradise. And if you hear from the Lord today and take his word in and make some mid-course adjustments, you can finish well and hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant. So we want to study three things this morning that you want to say about your life right now that indicates you'll finish your Christian race well. And as I shared, my friend Jim Burns, no one has modeled this more with commitment and passion than him that I've known in my life. The Apostle Paul modeled it first, and in in terms of an example for me, Jim Burns really modeled this. There are three statements Paul makes here that we also want to make. The first statement to claim about your life right now to finish well is this, I have fought the good fight. Now the question becomes this, what did Paul mean by that? Because that gets at what it should mean to us. Now the word fight is the Greek word agon. It means agonize, strive, labor. And the good fight, good is the Greek word kalos, which is a general word for good. Now certainly Paul would have had in mind living a good Christian life. But the greatest good in the world to fight for is fighting for the good news. It's fighting for the gospel and especially the expansion of the gospel. Paul was saying, I have fought the good fight, I have labored, I have agonized to expand, to extend the good news everywhere and to everyone. And and Paul, he's talked to Timothy even earlier about fighting the good fight, living for the expansion of the gospel. If we go to 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verses 12 and 13, Paul said, fight the good fight of the faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called when you made your good confession. The good fight is associated with the good confession, the confession we make about the gospel. The good fight is a reference to living your life for the expansion of the gospel. Paul was saying, as I look back on my life and my last breaths are soon here to be upon me, I realize, I have fought the good fight, he's saying. I have labored at sharing the good news the best I could with no regrets. How can we fight the good fight for the expansion of the gospel? By the way, you must fight for this in your life because there is an enemy that's doing everything he can to fight against you. He's going to throw out temptation. As I shared with you, the race we are racing is against time and temptation. The temptation is to live your life for yourself, not the gospel. The Temptation is to be ashamed of the gospel or afraid of the gospel. And Paul is saying to the best I could, by God's grace, I have lived for the expansion of the gospel. You say, how can I live truly for the expansion of the gospel? Well, let me give you a few practical tips from Paul's life on how to fight for the expansion of the gospel. First of all, believe in the power of the gospel. If if you're going to fight for the expansion of the gospel, you've got to believe that the most powerful message on earth is the gospel. The gospel. That's what Paul said in Romans 1.16. I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes. Second, pray for the impact of the gospel on others. Romans 10.1, Paul said, Brothers, my heart's desire and prayer to God for the Israelites is that they would be saved. So develop a top ten list. Develop a top five list of people that don't know Jesus that you're praying for. Have that list where you pray. This is a way that you live for the expansion of the gospel. God answers prayer as we're praying for people that are lost. Live for the gospel. Paul said in Philippians 1.21, for me to live as Christ and to die as gain. Share the gospel. Colossians 4.4, pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. That's what Paul was saying. At Jim Burns' service, it was beautiful, the video that was shown. And I'm just like, watching this video of Jim, I had seen this again and again and again. At barbecues that Jim would have, it was always the same, the most amazing food you could ever imagine, an incredible feast, and then Jim would take out his Bible, his big, thick Bible, and he'd sit down like a papa, and he'd look at us all, and he'd start reading the Bible. And he's ministering the word of God to us. And it was just a beautiful thing. Sharing God's word. Chad talked about that moment also where Jim loved to go to Mexico, vacation there. And one day, Jim sees this homeless man there on the beach. And most of us just kind of turn around when we're on vacation from, you know, someone who's homeless. Jim's heart goes out to this guy, kind of finds out where he lives and guess he was living out on a boat or something like that somewhere. And Jim tries to sleep and he can't sleep. He's thinking about this guy. And he goes back and invites them, this man, to come and be with him in his home and, hey, take a shower, enjoy our food. And he stays with them during their vacation. Eventually leads this man to Christ. And this man is completely rehabilitated and just living a great life in Mexico and, and You know, they're dear friends now, and I'm just like, this is what Jim Burns' life was all about. This is what the Apostle Paul's life was all about. It was the gospel and introducing the gospel to people. Go to people who need the gospel. Acts chapter 16, verses 9 to 10. The Apostle Paul had a dream, and in this dream he saw this man, and this man said, come over to Macedonia and help us. After Paul had seen the vision, he got ready at once to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God had called them to preach the gospel to them. So you're at work, and God leads you to, to share with someone that maybe God prompts your heart. Maybe it's not a dream, but a prompting. This is how you're living your life for the expansion of the gospel, talking to people that the Lord's prompting you to talk to about. Support the spread of the gospel. Another way to just live for the expansion of the gospel, you can't always go yourself but you can send others to go. Paul said in Romans 10, how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can they preach unless they are sent? You know, if you come into our bathroom, and I'm gonna show you a picture of our bathroom. Um, This is a picture of where I shave. And these are just some of the pastors that we support. I can't preach the gospel all the time in uh, Nigeria and India. But I can pray for these guys, and I support them financially who do. We support a lot of pastors. You do as well. What really touched me the other day, it's not, you know, we have a 22-year-old. I never go in his bathroom because I have no idea what's growing in there. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) But I walked into his bathroom the other day, and that's Luke. And this is what I saw. And I'm like, here's a college kid. I had no idea. Luke went out, and he sponsored an Indian pastor. And parents, our example, I didn't, you know, I'm not putting myself up as an example, but Luke obviously is seeing what we're doing. And I'm just like, thank you, Lord, that my son right now is building a life in such a way that one day he's ready to go home and be with the Lord. He's living his life for the gospel. And as a college student, supporting pastors who are preaching the gospel in India, I'm just saying this is one way. It's your whole life that's about the gospel. But when Paul said, you know, I have fought the good fight, he's saying, I have fought the good, the good news fight. I have I've fought my life agonized is the word to share the gospel, to preach the gospel to everyone and everywhere, wherever I went. It's a way of I've done life. And by God's grace, he's saying, I've lived for that furtherance of the gospel. Watch this, the goal is not perfection. The goal is progress. And so as you go along in your Christian life, are you making more and more progress when it comes to this, the gospel? I'd like you to talk about this just honestly in your life. We're here with family this morning. You know, how are you making progress in living for the expansion of the gospel? Talk about that for you a moment, would you? At your tables. We're looking at three statements you want to make about your life now so you'll be ready To hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Statement number one, you want to say, I've fought the good fight. I've lived for the expansion of the gospel. Statement number two, I have finished the race. So Paul says, I have finished the race. Well, what did Paul mean by that? Well, the word race is the Greek word dromos. And it means a course. It means a track. Paul's saying, I've finished the course. I've finished the track. The race is a reference to, you see, God's plan. God's track, God's will, God's purpose for your life. Like Hebrews 12.1, run with perseverance, the race marked out for you, your life. You see, God has a race, God has a plan, God has a course, God has a track for you, your life. And so you want to make sure that, watch this, you're not running your race, like your own selfish race apart from God. You don't want to run someone else's race that someone else has for your life. You want to make sure you're running the race that God has assigned for you to run. Look at Acts 20, verse 24. Paul said, however, I consider my life worth nothing to me. This is, by the way, where you start your race. Ultimately, as a Christian, you die to yourself and you say, I don't consider my life worth nothing. And that was Jim Burns. He died to himself. And he said, I am going to follow God's race for my life. I consider my life worth nothing if only I may finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me the task of testifying to the gospel of God's grace. You see, God has given each of us a specific race. Paul had a very specific task. He was called to preach the gospel to the Gentiles. He was an apostle to the Gentiles. You don't have that race. Paul had that exact race. You have your own unique race that God's assigned to you. God has a very specific track for you to run your life on. And when Paul said, I had finished the race, he was saying, I've lived my life for God's will. I've been on God's track. I've done his course, his assignment for my life. Now, how can we live for God's race, his plan, his will for our lives? I want to give you three very simple but profound thoughts. Number one, don't be afraid of God's race or track or will for your life embrace it. You say, why should I embrace God's will? Well, there's some verses here, Jeremiah 29 verse 11. God says, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. See, God's will is not about harming you. It's about giving you hope and a future. You will have no more fulfilled life ever than when you are in God's will. And And embracing that for your life. Some people think, well, if I do God's will, He's going to send me to China or Africa. He'll only do that if it will absolutely fulfill your life. God's will is so good. Look at Romans 12 2. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. Well, what is God's will? It's good, pleasing, and perfect for your life. So don't be afraid of God's will. That's the first sign that you are moving in the right direction, is you're not afraid of God's will, you want to embrace it. Second, pray for God's will in your own life. Pray for God's plan to take place in your own life. In Matthew 6.10, Jesus said, you know, this is part of the Lord's prayer, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Are you praying for that for your own life? Lord, I want your will to be done in my life as I'm running this race. Uh, Luke chapter 22, verse 42. Not my will, but your will be done. That's what Jesus said. And, And God's plan for Jesus was to go to the cross. God's plan for you is not to literally go to a physical cross, but you're called to take up your cross and follow Jesus and live out God's plan for your life. And thirdly, always move toward God's will. You want to be moving towards the Lord's will. If there's one thing I'm always praying, I think daily it's, Lord, I want to live in your will. I want your will to be done this day. I want to make sure I'm living not my plan for my life, but your plan for my life. And Paul said in Philippians 3.14, press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me. What has God called you to? If you're a Christian, you have been called. It's called God's will, and you want to be moving toward that will all the time. I know some of you right now, you talk to me about what God's doing in your life, some of you are literally positioning yourself to get out of the secular workforce and move into full-time ministry. You've not declared it publicly, but you've done so privately to me, and now I've declared it publicly. (laughs) But you know who you are, and there's several of you that are on this track. You're seeking God's will for your life. Guess what? You are positioning yourself to finish well. I'm not saying all of you are called to be in full-time ministry, you're not. Because you're in full-time ministry where you're at. You just got to figure out what is God's plan, what is God's will for me wherever I am at. And you got to make sure. I mean, you're, you're ready to die and meet the Lord when you're like, Lord, I have been living your will out for my life. You got to hear from God on that. Jesus said in John 17, verse 4, I have brought you glory on earth by completing the work you gave me to do. See, God has given you some work to do. He's given you an assignment, and it's very important you live it out. So the second statement you want to make about your own life now to finish well, you want to say, I've finished the race. Hey, I've stayed in the groove of God's will for my life. By God's grace, I've lived out His will, His race for my my life. The goal, again, is not perfection. You never arrive at perfection. It's progress. You're making more and more progress being in the grid, in the the groove of God's will for your life. I'd like you to talk about this in your life. Some of you have been making a lot of progress in this area, and you should talk about this at your tables. You're not boasting. You're just saying God is developing you. So how are you making progress in living your life for God's will? Talk about that. All right, we're studying three statements. Three statements. You want to make about your life now to finish well. The Apostle Paul made these three statements. I have fought the good fight. He's saying, hey, I have lived my life for the expansion of the gospel. I have finished the race. I've lived my life for God's will. And lastly, I've kept the faith. Now, what did Paul mean by this? The word kept is the Greek word tereo. It means to watch over. It means to protect. It means to preserve. It means to guard. And the faith is a reference to God's word. So when Paul says, I've kept the faith, I've guarded, I've kept the Word of God is what he's saying. I've stayed true to God's Word. I've protected it, guarded it, preserved it in my heart, lived it out in my life and ministry. Again, Paul's not claiming perfection. He's just saying the pattern of my life, the rhythm of my life, as I look back on it, has been to keep the Word of God as the guidebook for my life and for my ministry. Now, how can we keep God's Word, you know... To the end of our race, how can we keep the Word of God as central in our lives? Well, let me give you seven brief thoughts modeled by the Apostle Paul as he comments on this. Number one, guard God's Word. 2 Timothy 1.14, Paul said, guard the good deposit. That's the Word that was entrusted to you. Guard it with the help of the Holy Spirit. So we've got to guard the Bible. What does that mean? That means you don't add to this book, and you don't take away from this book when you read it. And you read all of it, and you embrace all of it. You know, it's put aside certain truths. Oh, I like that one. That's easy, but that one's kind of tough. You kind of grapple with all of it. That means to guard the Bible. You share God's Word. The things you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses and trust to reliable men. And that was, to me, Jim. And again, just seeing Jim as he did so often. He loved family occasions, but there was always that moment with the Bible And it didn't matter who was there. It could be five people. It could be 50. He would take out the word and he would speak the word of God to all of us. And I just, just in a humble way, you could tell the word of God was so central in this man's heart. It was everything. Think about God's word. 2 Timothy 2.7, reflect on what I am saying, Paul said. Labor at God's word. 2 Timothy 2.15, present yourself to God as one approved, a workman who does not need to be ashamed who correctly handles the word of truth as a worker. Yeah, you're, you're a hard worker at your task. We need to be hard workers when it comes to the word of God. Studying it, knowing it. Know God's word, 2 Timothy 3.15. From infancy you have known the holy scriptures. Revere God's word, 2 Timothy 3.16 and 17. All scripture is God-breathed. It's inspired I just know how deeply Jim revered, revered the Word of God. This was his table that he sat at every Sunday. He always wanted to be closest to the preaching. Whether it was Larry or Danny or myself, he was close to us. He loved God's Word. Do you love God's Word? Do you esteem God's Word? That, that, that's how you finish well, is you lift up the Word of God Proclaim God's Word, 2 Timothy 4.2. Preach the Word. We studied that last Sunday. So the third statement you want to claim about your life now to finish well, you want to be able to say, hey, I've kept the faith. I've fought for and struggled for the Word of God. I've scrapped for the Word of God in my heart. I wasn't led away by temptation. I used a portion of my time dedicating it to the Word of God so I could live it out, so I could give it away. Again, the goal is not perfection. The goal is making progress as you go along in your race running toward Jesus to see Him one day and hear Him say, well done. Now, many of you are all, you wouldn't be here unless you love God's Word, but God has been growing, many of you, in your depth and understanding of God's Word, and I'd like you to talk about that progress in your life. How are you making progress in living out God's Word? Talk about that at your tables. Okay, this morning, we've been just looking at three statements to finish the race well. Three statements you want to be able to make about your life right now. You're growing in these areas. You never arrive. It's just that as time goes on, these three things are becoming more and more and more characteristic about your life. Now, Paul's not finished. He answers an incredible question here in verse 8. This is the question of all questions. It's this What is going to happen when I die? What's going to happen when I die? Now, the next series I'm going to be teaching, I've entitled Seconds After You Die. It will be a four part series. And the first part of the series is titled Message One Ashes to Ashes. And we're going to spend an entire hour on what happens to us physically when we die. The next will be part two, myth busters. We're going to bust a bunch of myths that are floating out there about what happens when you die. Reincarnation, annihilation, there's all sorts of myths out there you would not believe that are taught about what happens when you die. And we're going to spend a whole hour talking about that. The third message is, what the hell? For some people, their last breath here will be their first breath in hell. Terrifying. It's what the Bible teaches. We'll spend an hour. And then the last message, oh my heaven. For some people, their last breath here is their first breath in heaven. And we're going to talk about that. Seconds after you die. Now Paul... Here in verse 8, he talks about one of the things we as believers are going to experience in heaven. And it's called the day of believers' rewards. Now, I'm not going to go into a huge detail here about it other than pointing out what Paul says. And it's quite fascinating what he says in verse 8. This, look at this. He says, now, in light of the fact that Paul's saying, I have fought the good fight, finished the race, kept the faith. Now, there is in store for me the crown of righteousness. Now, there is in store for me. Watch this. We are storing up by the way we live our lives today, by the way we run our race, rewards. We are storing up rewards for us to be received in heaven. A lot of Christians don't understand this. By grace, you're saved and going to heaven. But by the way you live your life on earth right now is how you store up for yourself rewards to be received in heaven. And look what Paul says, now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness. The crown of righteousness is just one of the crowns. Crowns is the word for rewards in the Bible. And there are five crowns, I don't have time to preach on them right now. But uh, one of the crowns is the crown of righteousness. The crown of righteousness is the reward given to Christians for displaying practical righteousness for living a right life according to this book. And as you order your life and as you run your race according to this book in your life, you receive the crown of righteousness. And you look at there at verse eight, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me. Which the Lord, the dispenser of these rewards, will be none other than Jesus Christ himself giving you these rewards. And he says, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. That day is the day of believers' rewards. And this is talked about in many places of the Bible. I have an entire message on it in my series, The End, where I I spend an hour on this. But uh, I've given you one verse here, Revelation 22, verse 12, where Jesus says, Behold, I'm coming soon, my reward is with me. And I will give to everyone according to what he has done, or she, according to how they have lived their life, according to how they've run their race. What's the point? The point is this. What's going to happen when you die? You're going to see Jesus, and you're going to be rewarded. Now, why is all this important? Watch this. You should lay it all on the floor in this life. You should give it all to Jesus now. You have one life to live. You have only so many days or months or years ahead in your life. The only thing that really matters, beloved, is living your life fully for Jesus Christ right now. And I'm telling you what God, Paul has given us as our life coach. He's telling you how to finish your race well and get a maximum reward And basically what you do with these rewards is you cast them at the feet of Jesus in worship as an offering to Him. It's a mysterious, beautiful thing that we can't fully understand. But the whole point of why Paul's talking about this is that we should do everything we can to live our lives according to how Paul has taught us. Our mentor is speaking to us. Let these three statements that Paul said about his life then... Characterize your life now. Fight the good fight. Live for the expansion of the gospel. Finish the race. Live for God's will. Keep the faith. Live for God's word. A great way to characterize this, to picture this, is this little slide here that I've given you. And here's the Christian race, right? Okay? But this, you want to live for three Gs. Three Gs. If your, life, if your Christian race is about the gospel, God's will, and God's word, guess what you are running your life just like the Apostle Paul just like a Jim Burns and you are ready for heaven and if your life is not about the gospel not about God's will not about God's word you need to seriously look in the mirror and say Lord please speak to me I need to make some mid-course adjustments and God in his grace his grace is so good it's so thick it's so kind and God has brought you here today or you're watching on video and his timing is perfect because this is when we make those adjustments in our lives and we evaluate and and, and guess what you can create a whole new end for your life by God's grace and by God's power now you know these three statements that Paul makes here I know this is getting a little deep in the Greek but they're perfect verbs you see why is that important Mark I have no clue what you mean by that when Paul says I have fought the good fight that's a perfect verb And perfect verbs indicate completed action with continuing results. So what that tells us is this. Sometime in Paul's life, after he became a Christian, Paul began to evaluate his life, and he came to the Lord and he said, Lord, okay, I will fight the good fight. I will live for the expansion of the gospel. And that action then continued. There came a point in Paul's life, I don't know when it was, when he said, okay, I will finish the race. I will live for God's will. Not my will, the Lord's will be done, I'll live for God's will, even if that means I'm going to go to prison and have my head cut off by a Roman emperor named Nero. He started, see, the the whole point of a, a perfect verb is there was a starting point and then the action continued. And the starting point was a commitment that the Apostle Paul made to God some point in his life after his salvation. Paul said, I will keep the faith. He said, okay, Lord, I will live out your word. And it started at a moment and then the action continued. Watch this, never underestimate the power of making a commitment to the Lord in these three areas. That's the point. These three things do not happen on accident in your Christian life. They happen on purpose. When you get alone with the Lord and when you say, oh God, okay, this is the starting point. I'm making a perfect verb. I'm making a resolute vow, a resolute commitment to live for these three Gs. It's going to start and it's going to have continuing results in your grace. This is how I'm going to live my life to the end of my days. It's going to be my life, about these three things. The gospel, God's will, God's word. Here's your game changer challenge. You see it there in your outlines. You can't go back and make a brand new start. None of us can. But you can right now make a brand new end. And here's the question. What if you started today to make that brand new end? What if right now you make a perfect verb commitment and you say right now from this point forward these three things that characterize Paul's life are going to characterize my life. I'm going to finish well. Let's pray. Lord, thank you that you love us so much and I'm not sure all that you're saying in each of our lives. I know you're speaking to me big time, Lord. You're doing a work in my life and um, Lord, you liken our Christian life to a runner, running a race. It's a marathon, Lord, but we don't know how much more time we have. That's in your hands. All of us one day will experience that glorious departure where we're going to hoist anchor and set sail for eternity. We're going to see you face to face and live with you and, and all believers for all eternity. That's That's amazing. And Paul, our mentor, he shared with us how we can cross that finish line and hear, well done. By your grace, would you give us the strength to fight the good fight, to live for the expansion of the gospel, to finish the race, to live for your will in our lives, to keep the faith, to live for your word. Lord, it's not about perfection. You're the only perfect one. It's about progress. It's about pressing on. And maybe right now you just want to say a little prayer like this. Maybe this is the prayer that I'm, kind of, I'm saying this. Maybe you would as well, just to say, Lord, grant me your strength, grant me your power to make a brand new end and to start right now. Help me to live for these three G's. The gospel, God's will, and God's word. I'm making a perfect verb commitment. By your grace, let it start today and let it continue to the end of my race. Lord Jesus, I'm depending on you. I need your power to live this way and I so want to live this way As I can't wait to just hug you and see you, my Savior, in glory. One day, I look forward to that moment. We pray this in the name of Jesus. And everyone said?